Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right, so today's episode is Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. (laughs) I think you missed your calling as a 90s rapper. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, my my rapper name is like Bisquick. Because I like fat rhymes and waffles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. All so right. yeah, so today in the podcast, we're gonna talk about what is self-leadership and how is managing one's emotions a big part of that. We're gonna talk about how understanding how your mind works is the key to hacking your future. And we're going to talk about how you can use this understanding to improve your interactions with others. So a really important topic. And, you know, before we launch into this too much, I just want to mention that we are drawing from a really great book that we've both found really useful called The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters. And we'll post a link to that in the show notes. But uh, this has been a really good book for us, um, you know, with our clients. Yeah, so... You know, picture the scene. You're you're about to go interview for a job, right? And it's the next day, and you really want this job. It's like a super company, or you're really broke and can't pay rent, and mm-hmm. you really need this job. Like, oh, the crucible of stress that goes into this. And then, what what do your helpful numbskulls always tell you? Like, oh, no, oh, well, don't be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and then you you look at them, you know, blank say, oh, well, you know, I was super nervous. But now that you told me not to be, I'm just going to magically stop being nervous. Yeah, that was very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And and it doesn't flip and work. You're like, hey, Jack Wagon, if, <laughs> if just telling myself not to be nervous would make me not nervous, don't you think I'd already be there? Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> That's right. It's kind of like saying, hey. Don't think about elephants. Yeah. Oh, what like, are you doing right now? Especially <laughs> purple elephants. Um, darn it. <laughs> darn it. But but the thing is, is our mind doesn't work that way. Right. Right? And because, you know, and we'll get into it in this model, but what if there we could tell you there was a way that you could get a hold of that mm. and turn that around and actually have control of those inner kind of emotions. That's right. Now, obviously, this would not be a typical skill. Otherwise, you know, there wouldn't be um, job interview jitters and that kind of thing. Right. So so that's some of the stuff that we're going to talk about um, in this episode. So, yeah. So let's start by maybe launching into this idea of self-leadership and how managing one's emotions is a big part of that. And I think what's important is to, you know, think about leadership and, you know, all the external kind of team dynamic techniques and all those types of uh, skills that you can learn. Um, and that's great, right? Um, leadership is something that doesn't, uh, you know, it, it occurs in a social setting, right? There, you can't just have leadership by yourself. However, you, it, all of that will just be kind of surface level, um, you know, actions on your part, if you don't have a fundamental core of something that you're doing inside 
how you're managing, how you're leading yourself. Um, you know, so I think good leadership oftentimes requires a a level of introspection and getting a hold of how you think and how you behave before you start trying to influence others. Uh, you know, and, and maybe if you're in a leadership position or if you are trying to change something, regardless of your title in an organization or in your life, your society, uh, you know, getting a hold of how you think and how you approach things, your mindset is really important first. Right. And, you know, it's, it's weird. I feel like when people start looking at, at themselves in an organization, they get really sterile, right? Mm. We, you know, we're all a brick in the wall, like Pink Floyd type, you know, okay, I, you know, I went to management school. This is very serious. First, you measure inputs and outputs. Then <laughs> as leader, I conduct these three behaviors of Excel, PowerPoint, and <laughs> coffee. And <laughs> Excel, PowerPoint, and coffee, how you can conquer the world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I, I'm probably going to, you know, I bet you if you went to an airport bookstore, you could probably find a book with that title. Yeah, and you, you got some like sad sack wannabe executive reading it, right? <laughs> this is going to make me amazing. And, and you know, you know, we look at inputs, outputs, and then, oh, well, and then I set the schedule this way, and Nancy comes in on Tuesday and equals profit and productivity, <laughs> you know? That... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's um, not how it works. Like, if it's stressful <laughs> deadlines in manufacturing. If this doesn't yeah. ship in two hours, we're toast contractually. All the, And we've all seen leadership. Mm. Oh, man. I, I mean... I've seen, <laughs> they have those like glass wall uh, offices for execs. Mm -hmm. I've seen somebody pick up a chair and just huck it at their glass wall during, <laughs> and just losing, cussing, you know, apparently overdrew his bank account or something and all this, all this stuff. Right. right. And, and we have different interactions with people. You know, we've all worked for leaders that have no emotional regulation. And you're like, mm -hmm. man, how this guy couldn't lead a team out of a paper bag. And, and yeah, and there's there, we have emotions when we're at work. Hey, you're fired. The tears start flowing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or you start, you get angry right away or all that stuff. So I just right. want to say like, this isn't about squashing your emotions. Ben, Ben, can you squash your emotions? No, no, you can't just push it all down into a, a little hole inside of you and uh, and think that that's going to work, right? This isn't about being just a a um, master stoic type of you know person who doesn't show any kind of joy or any kind of anger ever, right? That's that's not how this works. Um, and... Nobody wants to work for Spock, right? <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, you you come in to get your weekly assignment from your boss or, or however that stuff goes on. And he's it's Spock. And he's just like, today you will be a cog. I mean, you hate that. Right, right. And so what this is about, instead of squashing your emotions or bottling them up, this is about managing your emotions and using your mind in a productive way to the extent possible to achieve what you want to achieve and to be the way you want to be in life. You know, and, you know, I think if we think about all the people in our lives, maybe those people who are, are not so great at managing emotions, either in our personal or, or professional lives, maybe even including ourselves, 
um, you know, we can we can all think of the negative outcomes of that um, when it's it's really unpredictable when you're around people, uh, and when there's a lack of trust, or maybe people will uh, act in ways that undermine their own credibility and so forth. Uh, so, you know, managing your emotions is a key part of success in life and, and just being happy and confident in the way you go about your business. Yeah, it's so important that the Harvard School of Negotiations and uh, one of the books that they put out is called Difficult Conversations, which mm -hmm. we did an episode in, had the a key tranche of effort there is dealing with the emotions that are present in yeah. difficult conversations. Because if you don't deal and manage with emotions, they will eat your lunch every mm -hmm. day. But the problem that I notice in our coaching with executives is they don't have a systematic way to think about these emotions. They don't have a model that, you know, so for them, you know, they'll get uh, feedback during a you know quarterly or annual review. It's like, listen, you need to manage your emotions. Well, everybody just goes to this default of, I will squash my inner person, you know, or right. I will go home and binge drink a handle of bourbon. Uh, none of that's healthy. And so mm -hmm. today we're going to go through this, um, some key elements from the chimp paradox by Steve Peters. And this is an excellent model to think about how your brain works. Cause yeah. if you think about how your brain works, and work with how your brain works, then, I mean, that's where success is, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, this also has some tie-ins with the academic literature on emotional intelligence, which some people, uh, you know, take, have, you know, don't like the word intelligence used with emotional intelligence because, you know, especially some folks in the industrial and organizational psychology field, because they say that's not intelligence, right? Um, so we can just think of it as, you know, emotional skill or social skill or whatever you want to call it. But this is the ability to understand and manage your your moods and emotions and yourself and others. And, you know, there's been uh, some good uh, arguments and evidence that this is important for leadership. And we'll post a link to a, a nice uh, kind of review article by Jennifer George, which came out um, a while back, but it's uh, it's it's good because it, it talks about the links between this idea of emotional intelligence and leadership. But in the in the chimp paradox, you know what what he presents is this chimp model, and he uses this kind of uh, metaphor of this the chimp and the human, and we'll talk all about that. But this is basically a simple way, and it's it may be oversimplified to some degree. I'm sure some neuroscientists and others would be like, ah, you know. We're not talking about the, the right things here, but I think it actually is very helpful because it's a, it's a simple way to explain some complex science and to give us a language um, for us to discuss and talk about how we think and behave. So this mental model, you know, having a shared mental model about how you talk about something can be really helpful. We've had executive teams that we've uh, that were going through some tough times and we've uh, gone through this model with them. And what's been really interesting is that then, you know, they start to use the phrases and the, the words and the, the model elements in how they communicate with each other, you know, and that it gives them a, a vocabulary to express how they are feeling at the moment or what they're trying to do. So, you know, I found this to be a very helpful type of model for just life in general and for executives in particular. Yeah, so... The key point is there is hope if you struggle with managing your emotions, mm -hmm. if you struggle with how do I not be nervous going into a job interview, all of this stuff. This is a paint by the numbers approach that works. Um, we've vetted this out time and time again. 
I've edited it out in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. This is an excellent way forward. So Ben, let's just, let's get to it, right? So if you want to hack your future, imagine if I could say, um, here's a way not to be nervous before a job interview. And you had, I mean, everybody be interested. I've never had somebody not interested. So <laughs> that's right. So, so Ben, let's talk about our brain. Go ahead. Sure. So, you know, our, our minds are limited. Um, you know, we're, we are fairly good at focusing on one thing at a time. Uh, we, you know, can, for example, if the lion is chasing us, we are, are fairly good at uh, focusing on running away from it. Uh, however, you know, in a complex society, there's, a, there's much more that we have to take into consideration. Um, and what we have to do is, uh, you know, use what we have and understand kind of what your brain is doing and how it works um, so that we can design and really have a good life for ourselves and be able to interact with others in a productive and meaningful way. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny because after going through this model with, uh, so I actually use this model in one of my MBA courses that I teach. And, uh, you know, sometimes people will be like, the students will say, this is great stuff. And, uh, you know, how do, but how do I get other people to, to, to know this? You know, I want to, I want to like hand this to other people and make them, make them understand it too, you know, because it, it gives us some more insight into how other people may be thinking as well and can help with all of those types of relationships we have. Yeah. So we're limited by our mind. And somebody that says that's not the case, I say, okay, go, go be uh, smarter than Hawking's, right? Or, you know, pick a physicist that's renowned, go be smarter than them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, some people could probably achieve it. I couldn't, right? Um, and everybody has different personalities. We see this, this, you know, the more reserved person, the gregarious, you know, verbal diarrhea person, the, you know, <laughs> you know, all of that kind of stuff we see all the time. Right. And one of the key pieces about this book that I really like is it emphasizes personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So no matter what kind of jalopy of a brain you wrote in on, we have to accept that we've got the brains that we have. Now, these brains can be developed and, and grow over time, but I could start right now and never be a, you know, prize-winning physicist if I worked every day at it, you know? So we have to accept the way our minds work, but at the same time, we have responsibility for our behaviors. Um, so we can see different behaviors are caused by a host of things, but there's no delete for the brain. So if you grew up in a traumatic childhood, you may always have some of those things. This isn't one of those things, you know, spray your ear with Windex and do this one easy trick and then your brain works flawlessly forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's certain physiological things that go on with the brain and how we experience life that that you just got to accept. And that we also have a responsibility to manage um, as we navigate the the world, right? Right, right. And, you know, I would also emphasize that uh, many of the aspects of what Steve Peters talks about in the chimp paradox, um, these are skills. And skills uh, require practice in order to get good at them. 
Uh, and you know, it may take some time. And so I would really encourage our listeners, if they're so interested to go pick up a copy of that book and, um, and, and start to think through, um, you know, how they could actually implement some of these things in their lives. Uh, and over time, uh, if you stick with it, you'll start to get better at these, at these types of items. Uh, and you know, you'll start to recognize your emotions a little bit better, understand why they're happening, start to replace kind of how you talk to yourself in, in certain ways so that you can be more productive and so that you can be really the person that you actually want to be. And speaking of that, you know, kind of the, let's, let's dive into the model itself. And the, the most important pieces that, that are um, kind of part of this chimp model uh, involve the pieces of the, the brain, as Steve Peters talks about it, right? So um, he says that, you know, we live uh, in a divided planet, and this divided planet has two components. The first is the human, and the second is the chimp. And uh, they have to coexist together. And we'll talk about what your chimp and your human are. And then they have this guiding moon he talks about in terms of uh, the computer. And so the, the human, the chimp, and the computer. These are parts of the brain that try to work together, but sometimes they don't. Um, so, you know, when these parts of your brain don't work together well, this is when you find yourself doing things that you regret later or doing things that you don't necessarily even want to be doing in the moment or feeling a way that you don't want to be. Uh, so what's your chimp? All right. So the chimp, and I, I bet everybody's already leaped to this conclusion, which is the right conclusion. The chimp is your emotional machine, right? Mm -hmm. It's separate from us. It operates independently. It could conflict with what we want or how we want to behave. Now, just quick caveat, we know the brain is not a computer. We mm -hmm. know that we don't have a monkey in our head. You know, we know this is just a model to think about what's going on under the hood of our skills, right? Mm -hmm. So your chimp, so you walk past, you've already had a donut, but there's like <laughs> six left, right? <laughs> in the break room. <laughs> And you're like, you look to the left, you look to the right, and you you just take three. <laughs> that, that That's your chimp. You're like, you know what? I'm going to have four daggone donuts today and not give a rip because I can take these, right? That it, Your chimp wants things for these very base levels. Um, this person is a poor dating choice for me, but they're smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your your chimps your chimps in the driver's seat at that moment right right yeah um but then we contrast that with you which is the human so you have this chimp this emotional machine but then on this divided planet you also have the human um you know and this is your more rational part of your brain that uses facts and logic and reason uh, and it's important, as we've already mentioned, to remember that you are not, and you don't have to be, and you shouldn't be defined by your chimp. Um, at the same time, you are responsible for managing it. And that's what really this whole idea of the chimp paradox and the chimp model is all about. Uh, so you have the chimp, you have the human, and then he refers to this uh, other kind of part of your brain as the computer. And this is where you store your information. Uh, you know, both your human and your chimp have access to it, 
Um, but, you know, keep in mind that your brain isn't actually a computer, right? As you already mentioned, uh, you know, we, we don't really know kind of, you know, exactly where and how information is stored and accessed. Um, you know, there's, there's some stuff we do know from neuroscience and so forth, but that's kind of not here or there for this part of the episode. Key things to remember, you have these parts of your brain, the chimp, the human, and the computer. Uh, so you, and we all have to live on this divided planet, uh, and there's some really important things to remember about the chimp. So what do we need to remember about the chimp here? All right. So no matter how much like Spock you try to be, right? The chimp <laughs> the chimp is a billion times. I think they say five times in the five, book or something. Yeah. yeah. But suffice it to say, five times or a billion times, it's a the lot. Chimp, the chimp's going to kick your rear every single time. Yeah. It's a lot stronger than the human, right? That's right. Now, some people have better managed chimps than others, just by default. Um, others of us have chimps that need a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, this idea that the chimp is far stronger than the human uh, is exactly why it is so important to understand and as to use the the uh, the language from the the chimp paradox book, you know, to understand, nurture, and manage that chimp instead of fighting it directly. Uh, you know, you can fight your chimp directly for a little bit, but it usually doesn't work very well because that chimp is stronger than the human. So, you know, this is why oftentimes people who maybe go on like a really strict diet, you know, you can only maintain that for a little while. Uh, most people, right? Um, because they're they're really kind of just fighting it, trying to use willpower to deal with their chimp instead of understanding, nurturing, and managing it. So remember, the chimp is far stronger than the human, and uh, the chimp is where we have all those those feelings and those impressions and those emotions, um, all those types of uh, aspects of of how we how we think and and behave are coming from the chimp. Yeah, and this is. You got two vendors that you're going to choose from. One you have solid feelings for, you know, positive, you know, affectations of, you know, affinity or whatever. That's your chimp saying, uh-huh, this feels good, right? Mm -hmm. Then you got your human side. And you're like, what? This one is cheaper and has a better track record of delivery time. And, you know, you're really only going to feel super happy with that vendor selection when that feelings, impression, emotions is aligned with those facts, logics, and finding the truth, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, and that's the human part, right? The human part is much more about facts and logic and, and finding the truth. Um, but, you know, the, the tricky thing is that our chimp is usually, you know, where the message gets um, received first. So the chimp gets the message first, and we have these very, and it's much faster, right? Much faster than the human. So we start, you know, reacting, or can lead us to react in emotional ways that that aren't helpful. Um, you know, if we just kind of uh, react based on feeling very quickly, uh, that's you know that could be useful, right? And so this is actually what Steve Peters describes as the chimp paradox. He says, you know, your your chimp can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Um, sometimes when you react very quickly based upon how you're feeling about something, you know, in a survival situation, um, could be really helpful and save your life. However, uh, in most time, most of the time we are operating in relative safety in, uh, you know, in society, in these complex organizations, in relationships with other people, interactions that are, are kind of tricky to navigate 
And that's where, you know, with the, when the chimp gets the message first, if we act right away on that, that can lead us down the wrong path. And we, we know this intuitively. You got to go to your boss for a special funding request. Mm-hmm. And you see he's mad. Do you go in there at that point? Oh, this looks like a brilliant time to talk to him about. <laughs> no, no, because we know that his chimp is ready to throw, you know, a chair through the window. So, <laughs> yeah, we we know. Or when we start our conversation, you know, we start to learn this when we're like four or something. Um, you know, hey, mom, I really should get another chocolate chip cookie because, you know, and you're trying to emotion manage that emotional constant context so Mm -hmm. but the chimp's emotional thinking is super fast right um you get that message you're going to perceive it viscerally first so if i come in and attack your person immediately you're in chimp mode and chimp mode can be unpredictable irrational prone to extremes like everything's awesome everything's terrible we've all seen somebody get upset um uh, their significant other broke up with them yeah. This is the worst. My life is over. And you and we know that their chimp brain is engaged, right? You know, it's interesting when you were talking about that. I was thinking about an episode we recently recorded, which I believe we'll be releasing after this one. Um, so you, but you could watch for it. But it's an episode all about popularity. And we shared just kind of the idea and some, some things with some other people about this idea. And many people had this very quick um reaction just to that word popularity right and it was usually a negative one and it was it was just basically like going back to high school oh my gosh right that's the chimp being very quick and saying whoa this idea this memory this is a very um you know this is this is not a good thing this is a threat to me yeah fight or flight's kicking Mm -hmm. in right that's right that's right now on the uh opposite side of that coin we have the human's logical thinking which is looking for facts and truth trying to find some evidence for assumptions um, also just trying to use the context and a little bit of nuance to try to understand what's going on Um, but of course that that takes longer Uh, it's slower it also isn't usually our first reaction right because the chimp gets that message first Uh, so another way to think about this is that you know the the chimp and the human have two different kind of sets of goals or what they're trying to achieve. And the chimp is just trying to help you survive. And it's kind of, uh, you know, the laws of the jungle, so to speak. And, and have some carnal fun while surviving. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, uh, it, you know, the human is much more about the laws of society. It's much more about uh, how do we um, make sense of complex phenomena? How do we interact with others? How do we digest and analyze information? Yeah, this is, um, you know, the self-fulfillment, uh, sense of fairness, society. And what's interesting is the chimp and the human can want the same thing, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So let's take the person you're going to marry if you're going to go down that route, right? Um, your chimp's like, yeah. <laughs> and your human is like, Actually, we come from similar families and read the same, we're part of the same book club, right? (laughs) (laughs) But but imagine if you went to somebody that you're going to marry and say, listen, I've done these checklists and these are evidence-based checklists from the internet and I find you a completely copacetic partner. Shall we get married next Wednesday? 
<laughs> what, what, where's the fun in that? <laughs> right. So, you know, the, um, it is interesting, you know, to kind of think of, of things that way. Right. So, um, but you know, if you could take that example of choosing a marriage partner, uh, and assuming that you are thinking of that type of relationship as a long-term one, uh, it makes a lot of sense to balance your chimp thinking with your human thinking and to, you know, because, you know, you've been married for a while. I've been married for a while. You know, marriage is a choice that you make every day. And so that's a very human thing, um, you know, in terms of as we're using this model, right, in terms of thinking about stuff like self-control, honesty compassion, your conscience, morality, ethics, a sense of purpose, all of those types of aspects of our, our brains are far more important for the longevity of a long-term relationship than some of this, uh, you know, the, the initial reaction, the, the chimp types of, of reactions that we may have. Um, because guess what? Our, our, our partners are going to do things we don't like. We are going to do things we don't like. If we only react or if we only manage or if we only kind of use the chimp side of our divided planet as we are going through life, that's going to be problematic. Right. And and the thing is with like mate selection, <laughs> use some like nature planet words. I feel, like we're, I feel like we're at a zoo right now. We're talking about chimps and, <laughs> you know, it's like somebody deep in the jungle, but... <laughs> <laughs> but but the, it's this idea of you know a lot of people aren't going to be able to stick with a mate that they just selected with their human you know the chimps gotta find them sexually attractive or or something right mm -hmm. but you know the human will use features such as self-control honesty compassion mm -hmm. um conscience morality and ethics sense of purpose, all of these kinds of things to go forward. But if you just go with that solely, just from a Spock kind of sense of the word, mm -hmm. um, and for those of you that don't watch Star Trek, you know, Spock is a stoic who doesn't give in to emotions at all. Oh, he Your literally doesn't, doesn't have emotions, right? No, no, he has them. Oh, he has them? Y yeah. You just give me your nerd card. Come on. <laughs> I, I only watched a couple. I didn't, I was not a big Trekkie. I, only a little bit. Uh, so anyway, he has them, but they're very managed, right? Okay. And um, so, but if you only live in that thing, there's less zest and flavor to the life. Mm -hmm. um, and now your brain, everybody's brain's different. It might lean more to the human, more to the chimp, and, and that's fine. But if you only go with one of these modes of thinking, um, you're not using your whole brain, one. And two, if you know your chimp is five times stronger than your human, your chimp's eventually going to say, you know what? You're eating all those donuts. Yet you, mm -hmm. you haven't, you haven't taken me out and, you know, for an exercise or anything like that. And we'll get into how to manage your chip in a second, but your chimp will kick your rear if you don't tend to it. Right. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, I think it's it, the key part of, or the key message of the chimp paradox is that using your human to manage your chimp's impulses is a key determinant of, of your success in life. And it's important to remember that your chimp is an emotional machine, and if you allow it, it will hijack you. And that leads to those times when we do things or feel things that we don't necessarily want. As, uh, as I quote from the book, he says, uh, you know, referring to your chimp, he says, it can be your best friend or your worst enemy. 
This is the chimp paradox. And you have to accept that this is the way the brain works. So right. you, you can't wish it away. Just like mm-hmm. you can't wish yourself to a prize winning physicist status. Right? Or like, or you can't wish yourself to be taller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an even more <laughs> blunt metaphor, right? I can't, you know, I, I had a, a moment where my, uh, this is a couple years ago, but my, uh, my son, he's, he to- announced to me one day that he wanted to be LeBron James when he grew up. And uh, I had to, uh, you know, let him know that there was no way he was going to be six foot eight and, and, and nearly as good at basketball as, as LeBron. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> uh, we have to accept that this is just the way we are. And, That's but the, freaking you know. great. <laughs> <laughs> so the key here is managing your chimp. And yes, this is the good stuff. This is what y'all been waiting for. If you fall asleep, heads the, up, wake up, pay the attention moment to your you've commute. been waiting yeah. for. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, we got to manage your chimp. So there's three pieces here. You got to recognize who's in charge, the, the human or the chimp. You've got to understand the rules of the brain and accept them. And you've got to nurture and manage your chimp to get the best results for you. So let's start with that first one recognize who is in charge is this the human or the chimp that's that's operating right now in my life in my brain yeah so this is where you can just sit down and say okay everything's going crazy right now let me look inside so to speak are you feeling or acting in a way that you don't want to be feeling or acting Mm -hmm. right so if the answer is yes um you are feeling or acting in a way that you don't want to be then your chimp's probably in charge at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because right. how could you even have that feeling of like, wait a minute, I don't want to be feeling or acting this way. Well, that's your human, your numbskull saying the chimp's running around and you know throwing feces at things. And <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I don't think my chimp does that. My chimp throws banana peels, but I, gosh, um, you're right. So you got to recognize who's in charge. And, and part of that is just, are you acting in a, or feeling in a way that, that you don't want to be? Uh, and, you know, your chimp is very feeling-based. It decides what to do based upon how it feels. And, in, you know, in contrast to that, your human decides what to do based upon what needs to be done and, you know, how it's going to feel at the end of the day when it's looking back and saying, how did I spend my time? So, yeah, your human doesn't want to go, I really wish I hadn't done that. Right. Because that that <laughs> that means your chimp's going. So right. you, you sit there. If things are going, if you can somehow have a pause. Hey, am I feeling or acting in a way I don't want to be? Mm-hmm. Well, we know our chimp is. So. Right. Now, so that's that's step one. Right. Rec- recognize who is in charge. Is this the human or the chimp that's operating right now? So yeah. step two. Yeah. So we got to understand how the brain works and just accept these, accept that you got a chimp in there that, that does crazy stuff, right? Yeah. Just, just push the, I believe button on this, right? <laughs> right. Accept this as reality. Right. So the chimp takes in information first and that's helpful. Sometimes, you know, somebody walks into your office with a gun. Well, you know, well, I wonder how this person's, you know, marksmanship training has been like, no, <laughs> that. <laughs> That's not the right zone. And your chimp will help you. It'll say, get out, you know, right. run, you know, it can be helpful in survival situations. Not all the time, but it, that's, it evolved to be that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And willpower isn't particularly effective because your chimp is five times stronger than your human. So you can't brute force, you know, if somebody's waving a gun in your face, you can't, you can't brute force will yourself down into some, like, I don't know. What was that Shaolin monk thing? 
You, you can't be a kung fu monk in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you can for a little bit, that brute force is exhausting. You definitely can't maintain it. That's right. That's right. And so the alternative here uh, is that you need to manage your chimp. You know, so your, your chimp is getting the information first, but your chimp only offers you options. The chimp doesn't say you have to do X or have to do Y. It, it says, here's, what, here's the options of what we should do right now. And the key here is remembering that this kind of goes back to the personal responsibility piece. You have a choice and, um, you know, you just need to realize that, uh, this is how the brain works. And this reality is really critical. Um, you know, if you reject what your chimp is offering you in that moment, uh, the option or options that the chimp is offering, you will need to then manage your chimp because your chimp doesn't like being turned down. Uh, so we've talked yeah. about, <laughs> don't gets eat that fifth donut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. your chimp is like, I want to <laughs> eat that fifth donut. And, and so you, you have a choice. So, so right. Recognize who's in charge. Ugh, I don't want to feel that way. Okay. looks like the chimp's running around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Understand the rules of the brain, how it works. Okay. Well, I got a chimp. So I, I got to, you know, it's just like, if you have a dog on a leash and it bites somebody, you're responsible for the behavior of that dog. Yep. Same thing with your chimp, right? And now your chimp's going to offer you options, right? And you can accept, okay, like, you know, if you you say, hey, chimp, good idea. No conflict, you know, you move on with your life. And you're like, no, 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 no. Punching my boss in the face right now is not a good choice. Okay. (laughs) But remember, your chimp is five times stronger than you. So you're going to have to do something. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that a bit. Right. So step three is nurturing and managing your chimp to get the best results for you. Uh, so, you know, remember that, you know, your chimp has these drives and these are going to be around. You have to accept that. Um, but its behaviors don't have to always be there. Right. And um, what Steve Peters talks about in the chimp paradoxes, he says, you need to start by nurturing your chimp and make your chimp feel OK. Right. <laughs> Recognize that the drive exists. Um, maybe you can find a way to fulfill it in a uh, in a socially acceptable way, or redirect that energy, right? So, you know, if you're if you're feeling a, a certain way, may, and some of this goes into managing your chimp and the three ways we'll talk about, but you know, it could be uh, venting, right? You know, I, I think you and I have both had times where it's like, uh, you know, we'll call one or the other and say, "Oh, my chimp's going crazy on this thing. Let's talk about this," right? Uh, just to kind of get it out. And that's that's really kind of the first way that he suggests that you can manage your chimp, which is this exercising of your chimp. So you imagine you got this divided planet, right? This is your brain. You got the human and the chimp. Your chimp's going nuts. Uh, You're feeling a way or acting a way that you don't want to be. One way, uh, and usually it's the first way that you, you can start dealing with it, is to exercise your chimp. And this is about expressing the emotion, but you got to do this in the right time in the right place. Um, you know, this probably screaming at, at the person who maybe, uh, you know, said something or did something that upset you isn't usually the, 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 the best approach. Uh, and so you've got to find the right time and place to do that, to express that emotion. Uh, find a friend, go for a walk, try to do something that allows you to express that emotion appropriately. Right. So exercising the chimp is important. You know, some chimps have big drives like territory drives or violence drives and like a good way to exercise those kinds of chimps can be sport or something. Um, Exercising, like you said, can be expressing the emotion. So one of the things I'll do is I'll, you know, Ben, I'm really hacked off. I call you up and like, hey, need to exercise my chimp. 
You just say, go, hit it, right? And I'm like, <laughs> that jack wagon, I can't, no! ah! you just go crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it's hard to go crazy for a long time. Your, chi <laughs> your chimp gets just like you can't exist in fight or flight all over, right? You know, just like you can't maintain a dead sprint for two hours. Um, even Olympians will have, you know, you have this short thing window that you can just go dead out. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your emotions. After you've run that out, the chimp gets tired. And, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then, and then even though in its, you know, rested state, the chimp can beat your human up, right? Mm -hmm. It can't when it's exhausted. That's right. That's right. So exercising your, your chimp is the first way to manage your chimp. Uh, the second is to box your chimp. And I don't mean punch your chimp. Uh, what we're talking about here is after your chimp has been exercised. Um, sometimes you can do this without exercising your chimp, but sometimes you, you may need, even need to exercise your chimp for a few rounds. Then you can contain your chimp by using some facts and reason. So, you know, this is where the, the human can suggest different ideas. Okay, is this really what's going on? Are you, you know, why are you feeling this way? What are the actual facts that we know about the situation? And this can help you to start to calm the chimp down and to really start to contain uh, some of that emotion, some of those feelings and behaviors. Yeah, they, you know, your, your chimps, everything's awesome or everything's horrible. You know, you're getting upset. You're getting upset. You say, that jerk, I can't believe it. I was like, well, you know, actually, Matt does contribute a lot on this team. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what? Maybe Matt gets to have a bad day once or twice, you know, and slowly. And you may have to dip back and forth. You know, you go to boxing. And you're like, nope, the chimp can still kick my rear right now. Okay, back to the exercise. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Okay, cool. I can box with that chimp and that my chimp settling down, my humans back in the driver's seat. And the, the key question is, am I having the thoughts and feelings that I want to be having here? Mm -hmm. Right. And then what's the final one, Ben? The final one is uh, give your chimp a banana. Right. So this is uh, distract your chimp. Uh, you can either just reframe the way you're thinking about the situation, or maybe it's, you know, some music, a book, uh, some sort of, uh, you know, go for a walk, maybe. Uh, maybe it's uh, give it some sort of reward, right? So, you know, do this, then you get to do what you want. Uh, you know, maybe for some reason, you know, if you're having really, a, you know, for various emotional reasons, you're having a really tough time focusing on your work, saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus and really work intently for the next 30 minutes, and then I'm going to take a five-minute break, right? That, that's a, a way for you to offer this banana to your chimp so that you can be productive for that moment. Yeah, I've been on this strict paleo, limited calorie, CrossFit extravaganza, but every Sunday, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to hit that, you know, milkshake machine at the buffet as hard as I want. <laughs> right, right. So it's funny because, um, you know, there there is, uh, you know, some... There's people who know more, I'll say it this way, people who know more about nutrition and weight loss and so forth than I do, who, who do suggest that, you know, you, you do need to have uh, a cheat day, you know, once in a while. And, but you, you know, you maybe do it only after you've done a certain number of days, um, you know, the appropriate way in terms of the diet you're trying to stick to. So, you know, this is that kind of banana that you're offering to your chimp. Yeah. Right, so, so if you, if you go on the biggest loser type thing, 
you can probably only maintain. I think I think most of those guys from the Biggest Loser show, which I've actually not seen, but I've looked at some of the data follow up. Most of those people gain it all back and stuff. So yeah. one of the interesting things that you might hear as you navigate the cesspool of books about improving your life out there is, you know, the best plan is the plan you can do. You know, so Jenny or Phil over there might be able to cut out all carbs and, you know, work out twice a day and what they weigh all their meat portions. And mm -hmm. I don't you know, everything in their house is immaculate and looks like a, you know, magazine shoot. Um, but that you may not be able to fight that plan because they have their own unique brain and person. And so when you look at these things, it's the the plan forward in life for you that your human and your chimp can agree on is the better path for you. It's the one that you'll get to because everything else will be aspirational, fail. Aspirational, right. fail, right? Right, right. So we've talked about this, uh, you know, the human and the chimp that live on this crazy divided planet. Uh, we've talked about these three different ways to manage your chimp by recognizing who's in charge, understanding the rules of the brain and accepting them, and then nurturing and managing your chimp to get the results you want. Now let's talk a little bit about this other important part. This is the computer, right? This is the reference source for both the human and the chimp. And there are a couple important concepts here that I think are useful for us to understand this idea of the computer that Steve Peters talks about. And he mentions uh, the first one are these, these autopilots. These are these kind of scripts that we have, these helpful beliefs and helpful behaviors that we have as reactions to certain situations. Um, the second is what we call a gremlin. And this is a, an unhelpful belief, an unhelpful behavior. And these can be removed if you work hard at it and you start to replace them with some better autopilots. You know, so maybe you have this gremlin that says, you know, I, I always eat two donuts. You know, if you replace that with an autopilot, just a simple way of thinking of saying, I only need one donut, right? That's a si very simple example, but it's like, okay, well, when this gremlin says, you always have two donuts. Well, the, the autopilot says, kicks in and says, you can get away with just one, right? One is enough or something like that. Simple example. Uh, so autopilots, gremlins. The next one is what he calls a goblin. And this is what you referred to, you know, kind of early on, like, you know, you maybe have some very, some very uh, traumatic or deep seated beliefs or behaviors in your, in your past um, that are very tough, if not impossible to remove, right? So maybe, you know, certain things really trigger you and make you feel or behave in a certain way. Um, now, of course, you are still responsible for your behaviors, um, but you need to recognize that those goblins may exist. The fourth part of your computer, I think is probably one of the, the most important ones, is what we call, or what he calls, the stone of life. And this is your values, your belief system. And this can be really helpful in thinking about how you're going to create autopilots that will be helpful for you in dealing with those gremlins, in dealing with those situations in which the chimp really starts to rear its head. All right, so so let's back back a bit, because that was a lot, right? So... Your human and chimp, they're bebopping along. A situation happens. Your chimp sees it first. And your chimp says, do I need to punch somebody in the mouth or run or scream or whatever? Um, he sees it first. He's five times stronger than your human, right? Your human sees it second. And like, no, we don't need to overreact, but it's too late. The five times stronger's <laughs> running around, right? So you use your, you know, give it a banana, exercise it, box it, tool set. 
But one of the things that your chimp and your human goes to, so they perceive a situation as they go to your computer and say, have we seen this before? Right. How, how should we react? Right. And so that computer has been fed stuff your whole life. You know, you had a mean aunt that used to smack you around as a kid. Guess what? Your computer has that information. You've been fired from your job or, you know, we see a lot of data on people that graduated college during the last economic downturn. They have different investing behaviors and purchasing behaviors and, and a whole host of things. That, that's because their computers received a different set of inputs than the boomers and, and Generation X type people during those phases of life. So your computer has all this information. It's kind of a running scroll of everything you've experienced. And out of that, right, you've got some autopilots. These are things, you know, you don't even have to think about. Um, if somebody accidentally spills their coffee on them, you don't just punch them in the face right away. You, you know, oh, ah, I'm sorry. And maybe you're upset about it, but you have some helpful beliefs and behaviors that'll help you go. Mm -hmm. Now, you may have some gremlins. Go eat that donut, right? And let's say, you know, that, that's been a pattern for you for your whole life. Um, that's not super derailing, but it's maybe not the best. So you got autopilots, helpful stuff. You got gremlins, unhelpful stuff. Now the goblins, and this is something that we get in, and this is often when we recommend therapy for executives that we're working on. I'm not a trained psychologist, even though I've, I've done gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of reading. But we've all seen, we've all had a um, coworker that seems to get derailed. They're generally pretty good but different types of things can cause them to derail. Um, people that were managing executives, these people probably had something during the course of their life, right? That is just making it impossible for their human and chimp to get along and navigate the broader social context. The key thing is going to therapy, learning some of these techniques to just manage you know, nobody can say spray Windex on it, do these two magical incantations, and that stuff is, uh, that stuff's going to go. So like, you know, elements of an abusive home, all of those kinds of things. The key thing is, like Ben talked about earlier, these are emotional skills we can develop. But will those feelings, right, go away? Not necessarily. So in the final, just recapping, the final thing about your computer is you can have a values and belief system that can help guide. And we always start there with our individual executive coaching. Um, you got to dig into your values and beliefs. While you're humans in control, you're not in the stress of a corporate environment and that kind of stuff, and decide what your stone of life is going to be for yourself. Right, right. And you know what, what he talks about in the book is that as you're dealing with these gremlins, right? So you, you, you need to identify what they are and try to replace them with better autopilots. Uh, you may still have, and you know, it's, it's very tough to remove, if not impossible, some of those goblins. But if you can replace those gremlins with helpful autopilots, then that's going to be helpful in managing your chimp. And, you know, I think one really great way that he puts, puts it in the book is he says, you know, the person that you want to be is the person that you really are. And if you are continually striving for that uh, and, and using your human and your computer and these ideas to better manage your chimp and get what you want out of life, that's going to help you uh, achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, um, I, and that's such a positive message. Um, 
you don't have to be your emotions. Um, and another piece is, you know, self-talk here is super important. And I know a, a lot of people struggle with self-talk. And one of the things you can do is just sit down and start writing this stuff down. What are the things I don't like about how I react? How am I feeling now? Is that how I want to feel? You know, prompt yourself with some writing to help you through that self-talk process. Right, right. So let's move on now. We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what is self-leadership, how managing your emotions is a big part of that, understanding how your mind works from these ideas of the chimp paradox and how that can help you help you uh, hack your future, so to speak. But now let's uh, wrap up at least by talking a little bit about how you can use this understanding to improve your interactions with others. And I think one of the more, most important things to, to keep in mind is, okay, so you have this human and this chimp that are living on this divided planet. Well, guess what? Other people have chimps too, and they may think differently than you do. They may have a different mindset than you do. And keeping that in mind can really be helpful when you're dealing with other people. They have a chimp as well. Now, because it's been so long since I read the book, but the visual that I got, and I don't know if this is in the book or not, is everybody walking around with a chimp on a leash. Right. <laughs> and, and the reason I like that visual imagery is so if I'm walking by and I see a real menacing chimp, well, maybe I give it a wider berth. Mm -hmm. But I also can see that there's a human behind that chimp. Mm. Right. And one of the things when you learn to manage your own chimp, it helps other people manage their chimp. Matter of fact, right. we've all been in group settings and uh, business and life, um, social interactions where, you know, Tina and John have really well-managed chimps and they have a soothing effect. I, you know, I'm thinking of this one pharmacist <laughs> in a not so long engagement, that guy in this clinical setting, everybody would just start to calm down. And he had a lot of trust in that organization because he had his chimp really well-managed. Right. Right. Uh, and so, you know, when you're meeting others, uh, kind of as you mentioned, I like that visual a lot of, you know, everybody's got a chimp on a leash. Realize that there is a human back there and you need to be you need to be very cautious of some of your first impressions you have of people, because remember, you're probably going to your chimp is going to receive information first. You're going to start making these snap judgments of people. We do this all the time. This is a cognitive shortcut that we take to, to make life manageable, actually. Uh, but you need to be cautious of your first impressions and try to base your overall assessment of a person on facts, not just kind of what you've heard about them or gossip. Um, because if you do that, you're going to be able to make better decisions about people uh, if you're cautious of those first impressions that you receive. Yeah, you can find that key talent that your competitor overlooked because you were savvy, right? right. But th think about what's going under the hood. I'm completely judging this person on my first impression. Well, that's your chimp in the driving wheel, you numbskull, mm -hmm. not, not your human. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we need to be you know, very open-minded and proactive when we're trying to create relationships with others. And if we're going to change other people, you know, if and when that ever happens, it happens when we change our approach or set the right conditions. Kind of like you mentioned, you know, if we get better at managing our chimp, that oftentimes can help other people manage theirs better too, um, because we're you know we are not reacting in a way that is going to uh, you know further uh, inflame another person's chimp. We're going to try to manage our own emotions better, and that can be very helpful. Um, you know, and then you know in the book he talks a lot about effective communication, 
And this kind of goes along with that idea of remembering that everybody else has a chimp. And so in any of any conversation, we can just think about it in just a a one-on-one type of dynamic. You are either having a conversation human to human or human to chimp, chimp to human or chimp to chimp, right? Depending on who is in control of each of those parties. Right. So if it's human to human, it's kind of a just the facts, ma'am kind of thing, right? Right. But if you're in human mode and you walk into your office and your boss is like throwing stuff at the wall, well, generally you say, oh, you know, (laughs) I'm going to come back later. But you might actually be able to help them exercise, box, or give a banana to their chimp, calming them down. Like you could be a real source of help. Now, if you're in chimp mode, you know, first, be wary of anything. You might not be able to assess that the person across from you is in human mode or chimp mode. You should be wary of the kind of message because your chimp is feeding you these options based on a whole bunch of stuff that's not you. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just be cognizant of those pieces. Right, right. And you know, when you're trying to have communication go well in any kind of relationship, it's important to remember, you know, there's a right time, a right place, a right kind of way to go about it and a right agenda. Um, this is what you know he refers to in the book as the square of communication. So that can help you to um, choose the right circumstances or circumstances under which you're going to have a conversation about something. Um, he then makes a distinction, which I think is really helpful, between assertiveness and aggressiveness. So you know, aggressiveness is when you have, um, you know, this is more of your chimp. This is those emotions, those behaviors that are feeling threatened. So you're fighting back. Assertiveness, as he describes it, though, is, uh, you know, talking about with another person what you are going to accept in your world, you know, what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable in your world and why. Uh, So I think that's a really helpful way to think about uh, how you're going to be assertive in your relationships and in your communication uh, without inflaming another chimp or without uh, being aggressive. Right. And the, and the key thing is even when you're assertive. So like a good way to express assertiveness is I'm seeing X or I don't want X or X is making me feel unhappy or insert emotion there. Mm-hmm. But I don't I do want Y. So I'm seeing this and that's not what I want to see. Right. However, this is what I want to see. Now, if somebody's in chimp mode, they can perceive that as aggressiveness. But remember, their chimp can't run forever. So when it calms down, they'll be able to reflect on what you actually said. And you'll actually get a lot more referent power within the organization. People will start to defer. And it's funny how just by being assertive in an appropriate way, how stuff will start to shape up for you uh, the way you want it to. That's right. You know, so one example that I use here is uh, you know, just kind of a domestic example. So, for example, you know, imagine that, uh, you know, you're feeling frustrated about being the person who has to do the dishes all the time or something you know, with your roommate or your spouse. And, you, you know, one way to approach that using this framework is saying, look, look, I, I don't want to be doing the dishes all the time when I'm doing the dishes all the time. It makes me feel like I'm being used and being taken for granted. I do want for us to share this responsibility of keeping a tidy kitchen and having a, a good relationship with our in our home, right? That's a, a more assertive way to talk about it using this framework. Right, right. So, you know, when we look at the human, it's 
really good at accepting gray areas that you might be wrong. Okay, let's work toward collaborative solution or alliance. And and that's really juxtaposed against the chimp approach, which is, you know, win or lose. Right. You know, I I must win. So much winning, you know, that that kind of thing. <laughs> right? And and but remember, we have that chimp and we're going to have, you know, if it especially people, some people have much more competitive chimps. Um you've got to manage that kind of impulse, right? That's right. And when you're thinking about, you know, prepare, having any kind of difficult conversation, preparing for it can be really helpful if, you, if you're able to. Uh, and, you know, I would encourage our listeners to check out our full episode on difficult conversation, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, so the, the last piece that, Steve, at least we're going to talk about here today, there's a lot more in the book, by the way, that we are not talking about today. So I would encourage people to check that out. But in terms of understanding and improving your interactions with others, um, there's, a, there's some good information and good ideas with regard to stress. And you know, stress in our lives and in our work, it comes in two different ways. There's instant stress, there's chronic stress. So you know, there's stress that comes right away, the kind of acute stress, and then goes, on, goes away. And there's chronic stress that just stays around for a long time. And I think you know, we're talking about stress that is not good. Um, you know, so some stress is helpful, you know, when we feel challenged in a situation or something. Um, but when we deal with that instant stress, it's important for us to be constructive, be proactive in dealing with it. Uh, and this is where working on those autopilots can be very helpful and thinking through, you know, specific ways that you talk to yourself when stressful things happen can be a really productive way to go about it. Uh, you know, tell yourself, I need to change the way I'm thinking, right? He even talks in the book about, imagine there's a big pause button that you're pushing, you know, push the pause button and think for a moment. Maybe you need to uh, kind of get out of the situation for a little bit. Uh, maybe you need to think about it with a different perspective, right? This is kind of like thinking, imagine you're in a helicopter and you're able to see the big picture by going up a little bit higher, right? And then, then start coming up with a plan, start to um, reflect upon it, actually put that into motion. And you know what? A little bit of humor, a little bit of smiling and laughter that can also help with this instant stress. That's right. So, you know, maybe you had a rough life or, you know, you graduated college at a time when the economy was going to garbage. And, you know, there's certain things that your computer's just been fed, mm -hmm. right? But as you learn these emotional regulation skills, these chimp management skills, you can kind of be more in charge of what gets fed to your computer for your chimp and human to riff off of. Um, and that's where you can change, you know, develop a perspective, plan, smile, humor, that kind of stuff. That's, that's good. And it, one of those um, things is they talk about amp, you know, you just accept, well, this stuff happened, mm -hmm. right? You know, you can't change what happened. Um, you move on and with a plan. Um, these are ways in which, and, you know, the difficult conversations books, uh, you know, negotiations stuff, all of this is about developing your computer to better help your human and chimp navigate. Right, because, you know, we talked about how your, your chimp is so much faster and stronger than your human. Well, you know, Steve Peters makes the point that your computer is actually much faster than, than either of them. 
and because it's the reference point. And so if you are able to develop that computer, then you're going to have a better reference point for both your chimp and your human um, to make better decisions in those times when, uh, when you're needing to, uh, um, you know, deal with some sort of threat or when you're dealing with something novel uh, as you go through life. So, you know, that's a little bit about instant stress. Chronic stress is a little bit more about long-term stress, things that are uh, more persistent in your life that are causing you to feel like your, your resources are being taxed beyond their limit. Uh, and one thing he talks about is, you know, sometimes just writing things down can be really helpful to identify what's going on. And this is a very common technique, actually, in stress management, in thinking about, you know, trying to figure out what's going on in your head. Because, you know, writing is thinking in a way, and it makes it forces us to organize how we think about things. So write things down. If you if things are bothering you, just start writing and try to figure out what are those things that are really bothering you. Um, and then he talks about how there are kind of three big sources of chronic stress. And uh, the first one is you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your, yourself. Yeah. Are you creating your own misery? Yeah. And and some of that could be, well, why are, why are you in medical school right now? Well, everybody in my family expects me to be in medical school, mm. right? You, you can put yourself, if start to get to know your chimp, start to get to know your human, and then start to ask, am, am I in the best place for me? You know, I Phil is thriving here. Why can't I thrive? That's the wrong question. Look at yourself. You know, what do you need? to be in a good, happy place, right? Right, right. And you can also have just circumstances that are creating chronic stress. Um, and this is where, you know, it's, it could be about your situation that you're in. Um, this is where you really need to be realistic about what you can change, what you can't change. Uh, you need to be proactive in trying to anticipate those things that, that might be causing you stress. And this is when you need to, you know, accept, move on with a plan. Uh, you know, so if, if something about, you know, maybe where you're living is giving you a really a tough time, well, accept that this is, this is a problem, right? I need to move on with a plan. I need to look for other options and actually execute them. Start doing things. Don't just languish in the circumstances that are causing you stress. Right. And so the, the final one is others, you know, yeah. other, other people, you know, <laughs> Your mother-in-law moves in with you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so, sounds familiar. <laughs> so, so, and you can manage, you know, some of this with others through communication. You know, you guys can focus on joint solutions. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, listen, we don't really like being on the team with each other, but we're stuck here. You know, we, we see this in the military. You just get assigned and it's just not a good fit. Um mm -hmm. But and that's OK. So you can, you know, form some collaborative alliances and just say, hey, this is just a short term deployment or, or whatever. That's fine. But you also got to be realistic about people. Um, mm -hmm. if, if Mike is just a certain way, um, you know, you're just going to have to accept that he's got a human and chimp that he's got to manage. And those kind of things are defined by his stuff. You know, don't expect Mike, who you know, plays fantasy football every Friday to, you know, join ballet class and start painting, you know, impressionistic reproductions, you know? Yeah. Or, or you know, like, it, let's say you really want your partner to be more organized. 
Well, that, that just really might not be part of their personality. It might be a very difficult and uncharacteristic thing for them to do that. And you may need to just figure out, how am I going to deal with this? What are the things that, you know, uh, how can I move forward given how this person is? Um, the other aspect that, that he talks about is, you know, getting some support from others. He has, a, he has some really good ideas in the book about um, building your troop, right? He says that, you know, every, every person needs a good troop, a, a group of people who can function as advisors, as a support network. And, you know, be careful about who's in your troop. Um, if you have a good troop, a good network of people upon whom you can depend for support, uh, that can be very helpful in managing your chimp. Right. And so some people do really well solo. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't need a bunch of people around them. And then other people don't, they, they need some kind of feedback. So when talking about chronic stress, right, are the people around me or the people in my troop that I hang out with, are they frenemies? Are they backstabbers? Are these, is my social environment actually causing me chronic stress? And then make some, make some steps to, to change those kinds of things. That's right. So today we talked about a lot, uh, and this was all under the large umbrella of checking yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you couldn't have said that. <laughs> More straight lace. <laughs> <laughs> you need to check yourself. Um, and uh, this is about self-leadership and managing your emotions. Such an important part. If you want to be uh, you know, a, an agent of change in your life, in the lives of others, in society, in your organization, you know, it's going to involve other people, but it needs to start with you. And looking yourself in the mirror, dealing with some of your goblins and gremlins, learning how to manage your chimp, all the things we talked about here today, this idea of self-leadership. So we talked about what self-leadership is. We talked about how managing your emotions is a big part of that. Uh, we talked about how you need to understand how your mind works and that that understanding can help you truly kind of hack your future. And then understanding, you know, how your, uh, you can use all these different ideas to improve your interactions with others through your communication, through dealing with stress, and so forth. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.